to keep the fat low and eat plants. There are no other restrictions. As opposed to a diet that might be severely limiting carbohydrates, which excludes multiple categories of foods. And so you're not left with nearly as many options. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us coast to coast here in the U.S. and in more than 140 countries. Jamestown, New York, Rapid City, South Dakota, Caracas, Venezuela. We appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 48 of season 5, number 347 overall. When you've gone on a diet, how long do you usually last? Is it a week, maybe a month, or two months? Well, researchers have been trying to figure out this average for years, and one study even got ultra-specific, finding that most will throw in the towel and give up on their diet after (laughs) five weeks, two days, and 43 minutes. Five weeks, two days, and 43 minutes, no word on seconds. But for those who are trying a vegan or a plant-based diet for the first time, the good news is that the results are a little better, but there is still plenty of room for improvement. According to a report in Smithsonian Magazine, one-third of vegans or vegetarians will go back to eating meat within three months. And then, over the course of a year, that number will skyrocket. It booms all the way up to 84%. So why is that? Even though it's better than the typical fad diet, why is it that such a high number of people still then will revert back to their old eating habits? Questions are twofold. Number one, why? And number two, how can you stay on track? Registered dietitian Karen Smith is here with us today to show you how you can not only go vegan, but maintain that healthy plant-based diet for years and years to come without falling off the wagon, without having to worry about putting all of that weight back on. And also during the discussion today, I'm going to be more than happy to share some of the things that I've learned in my 13 years now on this epic weight loss journey. Some tips that I have used to this day to fight the fast food urge and not revert back to my old 10,000 calorie a day diet. Plus today, going to be opening up the dietitian's mailbag and answering questions that were sent in by the exam roomies who were able to join us live on YouTube and on Facebook. We dug deeper into why diets will fail and whatever else was on their mind. Lots of psychology, as a matter of fact, going well beyond just nutrients and specific foods. We had questions about overcoming mindless eating and dealing with peer pressure and weight loss supplements and whether they actually work. Well, what about meal timing and cravings? How can you deal with those cravings? We're going to find out with Karen in just a little bit. Plus, we're going to be giving a huge congratulations and celebrating the success of one exam roomie who is overcoming obstacles and tackling challenges left and right to find a new lease on life and reclaim their health. So proud of her and to share her success with you here today. 
But let's start with the problem that so many of us face, and that is the diet problem. How can you get on and stay on a plant-based diet without falling off the wagon? Karen, thank you so very much for being here. Yeah, hey, check in. It's always fun, and I'm grateful for the opportunity today. This is right in your wheelhouse, and I know that with the weight loss program that you and Dr. Vanita Rahman are in the middle of, um, this is something that has come up time and time and time again. So the first question on the show today is the big question we were just talking about, is how can you stay on a vegan diet without falling off the proverbial wagon? Yeah, I love it. I mean, Chuck, I think more than um, talking to people about nutrition over the past 16 years of being a dietitian, I have fallen in love with um, coaching and the psychology. And, you know, I think a, a large reason why it's hard for people to make change, well, change is hard, right? We're changing habits, we're changing patterns that are often established for decades of our life. And, you know, it's the thing that lives between our two ears, our brain, uh, that often gets in the way of our, our progress. Um, and, you know, I'd love to throw the question back at you and pick your brain a bit because you are someone who surpassed that five weeks of maintaining a diet. And, you know, I'm super curious to learn, like, as someone who has the title of the weight loss champion and has now maintained that for how many years? Oh, uh, 13 years. It'll be 13 years. Yeah. In the fall that, uh, that this whole weight loss journey will have begun. So yeah, a little bit longer than the five weeks, two days and 43 minutes at this point. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and Chuck, like, I know I've heard you say on other interviews, um, that prior to like adopting this plant-based diet, there were times when you stuck to diets for like, you know, maybe it was that five weeks or more, right? But but there were multiple times that you had tried other diets in the past. So I'm curious, like, what was it this time? Like, how, how have you done it? I think, you know, you were talking about that space that lives between your ears. And I mean, that's that's it. And I think that the best advice that I give people is what it actually took me years to realize and actually get comfortable with. And that is the fact that these cravings that you get that often can kind of derail our success, they're okay. Like you shouldn't beat yourself up because you're having this craving. It's perfectly natural to have cravings. I mean, food in itself is designed to be craveable, isn't it? So if you just give yourself this kind of permission to be uncomfortable, somehow it makes that time a little bit easier, right? So I call that when I'm giving talks, um, I call that just accepting the suck, right? It's not the most pleasant phrase, but you're just accepting that for the time, things are going to suck a little bit as you're getting through being uncomfortable. But just by giving yourself that permission and recognizing that the food will still be there later when you are in fact actually hungry and it's time to eat, then it, it just becomes easier to deal with when those cravings strike. So as simple as it sounds, and there's a lot more that goes into it. I mean, it's quite complex what's happening up here in the old dome, but really simplistically, that's just what it is. Give yourself permission to be uncomfortable for that time. And it just makes getting through it so much easier for some reason. 
Yeah, I love that, Chuck. I mean, I think from a psychology standpoint, right, like getting outside of our comfort zone, like there's lots of evidence, you know, that shows like how important it is for growth and improvement, right? That that regardless of what it is we're trying to improve upon, like it will be uncomfortable. No question and, about it. No question. Yeah. I, I would actually be curious to know for the exam roomies who are joining us live right now in the chat, you know, what are some tips that you've used when those cravings have struck and you're having like a really bad day maybe. And you're like, all I want in the world is that pint of Haagen-Dazs, give it to me in an IV drip and give it to me right now. So what do you do to overcome those challenges? Post that in the comments or in the chat right now. I'd be real curious to see what kind of feedback um, that people get, but I want to, I want to switch back specifically to a plant-based diet. Now the lay person, Karen will say, well, that is like the most restrictive diet in the history of diets. And there's no way that I could ever eat like that for the rest of my life. You and I though, have been doing this for many years. So have millions of others. So if somebody comes to you and they say, well, this is just way too restrictive. What do you say to that person? So one of my favorite things to say is, or to perhaps like to help reframe this, right, is anytime we're giving up something, like anytime we're saying no to something, we're saying yes to something else, right? And I, I love that approach. I also love the approach of, of looking at the abundance of plants, right, and reframing what a plant-based diet means. There's so many more plants to consume on the planet than there are animal foods. Um, and somehow just opening that door in that conversation of, you know, let's just look at these different plant-based food categories. You know, let's go through like what your preferences are. What, do you, what fruits do you like? What vegetables do you like? You know, just opening up the door um, for possibilities and helping people see that there really is an abundance of foods to be consumed on a, on a plant-based diet. And again, just, I love throwing out that, that statement that like anytime we say no to one thing, we're saying yes to something else. And, you know, what is it that you want to say yes to in your life? Like, why are you here in the first place? Why do you want to be, you know, changing your diet? Um, and, and why is improving your diet important to you? If you were to kind of put percentages on when it comes to success with health in terms of establishing a healthy diet long-term, how much would you say is psychology and how much would you say is the nuts and bolts of nutrition? Whew. I would say, I think just from my own personal experience that I want to say close to 80% of the people that I work with um, need a lot of help with with the psychology piece or the mindset piece, right? Perhaps reframing the way they're thinking, paying attention to their actions and thoughts um, versus just um, wanting education and being able to take the knowledge that's provided and, and make long-term changes, right? Like it's, it's very, um, it's much more common for me to, to work with someone who said like, I have all the books, Karen, I've read all of, you know, the, the plant-based uh, books that are out there. I follow people on YouTube. I listen to the exam room, right? Like they know lots and lots of information and they're having a hard time making it stick and making the changes last long-term. 
You know, one of the hardest things for so many people is mindless eating. We plop down in front of the TV and we sit down with maybe, you know, we pop popcorn or we've got a bag of store-bought popcorn or whatever the case may be. And before you know it, the entire bowl is gone. And so let's take a question here from Deb, who's actually part of uh, the weight loss program you and Dr. Rahman are doing right now. Deb is wondering about controlling mindless eating. She actually wrote in, I thought, a really eloquent question. So bear with me as I read this. She says, uh, your podcast has been a huge part of my success so far, my four-year success eating a plant-based diet. I would like to know if you have any advice on controlling habit eating. In the evening, I care for my mom. And as she is watching a movie, I just get this uncontrollable urge to munch. It's usually Usually something that has a lot of fat in it, like nuts or vegan chocolate or even hummus on pita. She says, I'm not hungry, but it has become a habit that I just can't break. And now my weight is beginning to creep up. And I can tell you, Karen, that Deb, very likely not the only person who is going through something like this. So when somebody comes to you and they're asking for help controlling mindless eating, what advice can you give? Yeah, I mean, that's such a common thing. I mean, I've been there myself, you know, many a nights um, and, you know, wanting to eat the the bag of chips and salsa or, or, or that vegan ice cream or whatever it might be. And I'd say instead of using that word control, right, like, like, let's take a step back and let's just pay attention um, and use mindfulness, which is a very evidence-based, you know, strategy and, and tool to help people tune into what they're doing and to actually make, make changes. I think the first step in, in making a change is to actually be aware and, and to pay attention to what it is that we're doing instead of just trying to like shove it down or set it aside, but to tune into, um, there are four things that, that I recommend and, and something that I've learned in um, a coaching program I, I participated in. Um, and that is to tune into what you're feeling um, and to tune into the physical sensations that you have in your body, right? Whatever the feeling is that you have in that moment, whether it's stress or anxiety or you're sad or you're lonely, whatever it might be, that emotion's gonna manifest in your body in some way, whether that's intention or you're, 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 you got a knot in your stomach. Um, um, but these physical sensations are often clues to us. They often you know, are things that we don't really tune in and pay attention to and can be really good indicators of what's going on and help us be aware that, oh, oh, I do, I, I am feeling this certain way and, and maybe start to make another decision as a result. The other thing is to really tune into the thoughts that you're having. You know, what is it that you're telling yourself in that moment before you dive into the bowl of popcorn or the, the bowl of ice cream? You know, paying attention to the story that you're telling or that voice that's like coaxing you to eat that, just to be aware and listen, because we are capable of, you know, we create our thoughts. And in just tuning in and paying attention, it can really help us start to be aware and, and set ourselves up for success in doing something different. So I would say that, you know, paying attention is the first step and then thinking through like what you want to do instead. What does success look like to you? You know, playing out that scenario, doing a mental rehearsal of, of how you want your behavior to look, just like a professional athlete does, just like, you know, a, a 
a concert pianist, you know, does that mental rehearsal before a competition or a concert and really thinking through how they want that performance to go, we can do the same thing for ourselves and thinking through what we want success to look like with our behaviors. And that actually helps us create some neural pathways so that when we are in that moment and faced with, you know, that decision, it can help us, you know, make the choice that we envision for ourselves a little bit easier. Um, it takes practice. Like there's no, you know, one one size fits all solution to to these wonderful questions that are being asked. Um, so that would be my other suggestion is, you know, to give yourself some some time and 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 be patient and be kind to um, to allow yourself to have some um, some slips along the way and recognize those as opportunities for for growth. Absolutely. You know, that, that, that saying practice makes perfect is so very true when it comes to this, right? You're not going to be um, batting a thousand or hitting a home run right out of the gate. Very few people do that. So uh, you de- do need to practice in order to, to get more comfortable doing this. Though, you know, when you're talking about taking those first steps, those small practical steps, could it also be as simple as sitting down with a smaller portion or making sure that when you are sitting down, even if you are craving those high fat foods, that you're actually sitting down then with healthier foods? Maybe, you know, we always go back to fruit being a great option if you have a sweet tooth, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And again, right, it comes back check to like, what does success look like to you? Um, and to use a person exa- example of that, you know, I've worked on, you know, my nighttime eating. I've shared that in some of my classes, um, you know, freely that like I want to be someone who who, you know, eats dinner and is done eating for the night. And that's been a real challenge for me throughout the years. And so thinking through what like ideally success looks like and saying, huh, I'd like to be done eating by seven o'clock and recognizing in the beginning of, of starting this process of change that I was really resistant to that. I could feel it in myself and saying like, I will be done eating by seven o'clock tonight. And so setting the bar a little bit lower for myself to start and saying, you know what, I, I that seems a hundred percent doable two times a week. So I often offer to people or suggest, you know, make, make that goal, like break it down into steps that feel doable. So sure, of course, maybe it is, you know, I'll have a smaller bowl of ice cream or, you know, I'll have that ice cream Monday and and Wednesday night or whatever it might be, but breaking it down into something that feels um, very achievable um, can also be just a way to help you get the ball rolling and move in that direction that you want. All right. So now you just talked about your goal of stopping eating at seven o'clock christy at 12 13 struggles with something again that so many people who are listening and watching right now suffer with as well she says i always get the urge to eat something right before i go to bed those midnight munchies can be just the absolute pits right so if somebody really is struggling with that and I would love for you to chime in and then I'll, I'll talk about some of the uh, techniques that I use as well. But as a dietitian, you know, what advice would you have for someone like Christy who does get those midnight munchies all the time? So first thing, Chuck, right? What you just said with like, I always get the midnight munchies. Um, one of the big things I talk about in another program that um, I help, you know, patients um, with changing behaviors is to think about how you're talking to yourself and 
and steering away from using words like like always and never, right? So instead of that, I would say up until now, I've had a hard time, you know, um, with eating at night or whatever it might be up until now, instead of I always, um, because it really just leaves room for new possibilities. Um, second, I would think about like, okay, tell me, Christy, like what does your day of eating look like? Are you eating enough earlier in the day to prevent yourself from, from feeling hungry at nighttime? Um, another thing I would suggest is asking yourself, like, am I hungry enough to eat an apple? Like to try to tune in and figure out if, if what you're feeling is actual hunger or if it's there's something else going on. Is it out of habit or, or whatever, right? And so asking yourself, am I hungry enough to eat an apple or some carrots or whatever healthy whole food you have and, and enjoy, right? Because if you're hungry enough to eat an apple, then you know you're actually physically hungry. And so in that case, I would say, go ahead and eat the apple. Um, so those would be some of the, the tips or tricks that I'd, I'd, you know, offer in that situation. And I would love to hear yours, Chuck. Well, so here's the thing, right? This is this is the million dollar question, whether it's, uh, you know, craving a midnight snack or a snack right before you're supposed to be eating dinner one particular evening. Um, oftentimes, cravings will still hit me and I will think that I'm hungry. But when I get up from my desk and I go to actually get something, I kind of recognize like, well, wait a minute. No, I'm not full, just as kind of you were talking about, am I hungry enough to eat this apple? But then the psychology part starts to trickle in, right? Because then it's like, well, doggone it. I really wanted that food. Like I'm still craving this food, even though I'm not hungry. And this happens to me to this day. Okay. So it's not like you, cra you know, you cross this, you know, two, three, four year threshold and suddenly like all, all of this stuff just vanishes. It doesn't work like that. I wish that it did. And there are times when I still get angry that I'm hungry when I'm not hungry, as crazy as that sounds. And then it becomes like a mental battle. And then it goes back to what it was we were talking about earlier in the program. And that's just like accepting the fact that right now you're a little bit uncomfortable. You may be a little bit more than a little bit uncomfortable. You may be downright hangry, even though you're not hungry, but give yourself the opportunity to just kind of um, explore that space be angry, be uncomfortable, and trust that that craving will pass. It always, it always, always, always passes. And worst case scenario, drink a glass of water, do something just to put a little something in your belly, even if it's not what you want, just talking about water here, not food. And somehow that also can make it a little bit easier for you to get through. Just accept the fact that you're uncomfortable, give yourself that permission, and just remember that that food will still be there when you are hungry again. And that is something that can go for literally every single person on the face of this earth, whether you are eating a vegan diet or maybe you're the only vegan in your household and everybody else is still eating that standard American diet. The same principles should apply. And that is something that I use literally, Karen, to this day. Two nights ago, that happened to me as I'm sitting here putting together a podcast that happened. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be the healthiest guy on the face of the, the earth like doing this show and I'm still getting these cravings like why but it's perfectly natural just accept it at the moment trust that it'll pass and that food will still be there again it goes back to psychology yeah I love that Chuck I mean you're human and I can totally relate like regardless of 
um, you know, how long I've been eating a plant-based diet. Absolutely. I still have cravings for foods that, you know, aren't necessarily healthy. And there are times when, you know, I make choices that I don't feel great about afterwards. And so, you know, again, using those as opportunities for, for growth is what I've learned, um, at least in my own personal, um, uh, you know, transition and progress, you know, throughout life is like almost embracing those as opportunities for, for learning, almost saying like, oh, wow, like, like, thanks for this, um, you know, what some people might call a, a slip or a misstep, because in tuning in and paying attention, and I would say being curious, um, which in being curious really allows our mind to explore new possibilities, I'm able to to tune in and ask myself, like, what was going on in that moment? How was I feeling? What was I thinking? And if presented with this, you know, same opportunity again, like, what would I do differently? How will it go next time? So that, you know, I might make a different choice. And, and so that's another thing I think is really important. It sounds like it's been helpful for you, Chuck, to, to kind of use those, um, missteps, if you want to call them as, as, as opportunities to learn and grow. No question. Let, let's talk a slight bit more psychology, just from a different perspective. And then we're going to get into more nuts and bolts of nutrition. I know that we've got a lot of nutrition nerds uh, who are with us, the exam roomies, man. I mean, those health IQs are off the charts and I love it. So we're going to get into some nuts and bolts, but here's also a question from Sylvia that I think everyone who is here with us today, everyone listening to the podcast and joining us live struggles with as well. All right. Sylvia wants to know about peer pressure. She writes in, how do you deal with friends and family without being rude or making it uncomfortable when they offer you animal products and they insist that you eat that when you are at their house? I am the only one among my friends and family who eats a plant-based diet. Yeah, that sounds like a really uncomfortable situation to be in. Um, and I'm not sure that I've ever had that exact experience, um, you know, and, and maybe being firm, I'm just trying to think through like, you know, uh, saying no, thank you. Um, and perhaps, you know, if, if someone's insisting, perhaps taking something and, you know, again, doing that mental rehearsal of how you want your behavior to look. Um, or having the conversation, if, if, if you've had this experience before and are able to learn from it, like having that conversation with, with um, the host in advance of, of the meal, you know, um, like days or weeks or whatever, to, you know, kindly say that, you know, the way that I eat is really, really important to me. And, um, you know, I understand that, um, I, you know, you are preparing a meal and I'm grateful that, that you're doing that for me. Um, however, my health is really important and, um, you know, here are the reasons why I eat this way. And I would love for you to just, um, respect my choices. How do you feel about that? Something along those lines of having, of having an open conversation. Um, Chuck, how about you? Have you ever been in that situation? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, um, I'm a little bit more direct than than your approach, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I I'm cool about it, not really confrontational, but I but I shut it down. I'm like I'm good. Don't worry about me. 
and just kind of leave it at that. Sometimes I find like if you give a, like a person a really long-winded answer, um, that kind of opens the door for them to kind of prod a little bit more. They're going to get a little bit more curious. And if you're not comfortable having that conversation or you just don't want to have that dialogue right then, just keep your answer short and be a little bit firm with them. Not, you know, like a jerk about it. Just like, I'm good. Don't worry about me. I got it. And as you said, bring something yourself, right? So that you're not then tempted because you do get hungry and that's the only thing available, right? So always be prepared, um, have something with you at all times, but just shut it down and be comfortable shutting it down. And then also, you know, as you were saying in a much more eloquent way than I did, um, trust yourself, right? You got to trust your gut. Like, you know, what is best for you. You know what it is that you want to do. Don't let anybody derail that for you. Like, this is your way of eating. This is your life. You get to do with it as you choose. So don't let anybody else make that choice for you. Be strong, be firm, keep it short, keep it light, lively, however it is that you want to do it. Just, you know, stay strong to yourself. If you're not staying strong to anybody else, just stand firm. Um, and, and you will be a okay with that. That, that firm, no, thank you. Right. As you just said, like that, that's enough. And often like what I think it goes exactly in line with what you were talking about earlier about, um, being uncomfortable. Like, I think for so many, it feels uncomfortable to just say, no, thank you. And so, pushing through that uncomfortability, right, is also a great, a great um, practice for us and like sticking firm, as you said. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, they may still come at you like a little bit more, like with more peer pressure, and then you can just get even a little bit more firm. So like, no, I'm good, seriously. And, and then just leave it at that. When you reach that level nine times out of 10, the person's going to back down because they don't want that confrontation either. Um, so just reach that level. There's no reason for it to be a full blown argument or anything like that. You can still be firm, get your point across and shut it down. And then the cool thing though, that I, I always also like to explain is that people then will watch you and they're going to see all of the success that you're having, uh, with your own health. Um, especially when you're losing weight, you know, that people really notice that and they're like, Ooh, what is Karen eating today, right? What what does she know that I don't? And then they're going to watch. And then privately, those conversations won't be, well, why don't you have a hamburger? To be like, well, why why aren't you eating a hamburger? Let me know. Like, clue me in on what your secret is. So the script kind of gets flipped naturally over time too. So that's kind of a fun thing. So don't be afraid to still go out there and mix and mingle with your friends. Um, you, it, It's really interesting to see how their perception of you changes over time. Um, let's take a question here, go on the more nutrition tip, take a question from Edith. want to go back to those cravings, uh, we were talking about, and Edith is wondering whether we ever have cravings because we're missing a particular nutrient in our diet. Uh, yeah, I hear that a lot, Chuck. That's a, that's a pretty common question I get. And, you know, the, the short answer is no, um, that, you know, cravings that people have are often for foods that are, or I'd say always, right? Like we're reaching for foods that are more calorie rich, that are um, high in fat, sugar, salt, or a combination of all three, um, and not things like healthy whole foods, um, right? Like the cravings that I hear and asking people like, oh, what is it that you're craving? It's, it's not apples and strawberries and, and watermelon. Um, yeah. So the short answer is no. 
Yep. <laughs> there you go. There we could just sum it up with two little letters, one short word. No, that's all. A lot of people in the chat right now are are talking about their experiences with with peer pressure and how they kind of shut that down. Um, lots and lots of great analogies on there. Some people saying like they've been feeling the pressure for up to 16 years. Christy says, 16 years later, and I still get pressure from my family to eat meat. I always bring my own food and they are always though, this is the thing, the script getting flipped. Uh, and they are always interested in what I have, right? So they're always watching you, right? I think that, you know, it, it's about being strong and being confident. And that kind of, those are two uh, traits that are associated with leadership and people always follow the leader, right? So you naturally then will rise to leader status and they're going to be like, well, this person is strong enough to stand alone. I want to go stand with them and get some of that strength, right? So there's, it, it all goes back to psychology for me and I absolutely love it. I think in another life, I would have been very happy as a psychologist. Um, question from Lorella. I love this name. Uh, Lorella, I've been hearing a lot about fasting and its benefits. Is this something that should be encouraged? Yeah, it is all the rage right now, right, Chuck? Um, I feel like every time I turn on, you know, uh, a news station or, or, or whatever open um, the news, there's something about fasting. And um, it does absolutely appear that allowing our bodies a break from eating at, at night is, is certainly helpful. Um, and that said, I feel like people can kind of go down a rabbit hole of like exactly how many hours or, or, or the timing. And I think to sum it up, it's like allow your body at least 12 hours without food. Um, and, and that makes sense. That's a time when we should be, you know, resting and recovering and, and getting good quality sleep and allowing our body some time before we go to bed um, to, to have that time to digest our last meal. Um, and, you know, as far as fasting goes, that's, that's my typical, you know, recommendation is not to get too caught up in, you know, the exact timing of it, but to allow yourself at least a 12 hour window without food. Uh, let's go back to why vegan diets can be successful over the long term. We heard at the top of the show that uh, the typical person will stick with a vegan or a vegetarian diet longer than uh, they would stick with a traditional uh, quote unquote diet, right? So we're talking about usually around three months versus that five weeks for the standard whatever fad diet it may be. Gabrielle is wondering why do you think a plant-based diet is more likely to have that long-term success, especially when it comes to weight loss? Hmm. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, and I'm totally speculating here, but in, you know, helping with some of the research studies at the physicians committee, I'd say that, you know, some of the things I hear from participants is that they love the abundance of food that they're able to choose from. Right, like when they are um, given the the instructions on how to follow the diet, it's to keep the fat low and to eat plants, and there are no other restrictions. We're not encouraging people to limit the amount of fruit they eat, to limit the amount of carbohydrates. It's like keep keep the fat low, and eat all the plants you want. Right, and so that feels really great to have this huge abundance of choices. Um, as opposed to a diet that might be severely limiting carbohydrates, which excludes, you know, multiple categories of foods. It's excluding a lot of fruits. It's excluding your legumes. It's excluding grains. And so you're not left with nearly as many options. 
Um, so that, that would be my take on it. What do you think, Chuck? You know, I, I think that it, it has to do with the fact that, uh, if you're eating the healthier end of it, um, you, you're not going to be hungry all the time, right? Because you have this abundance of fiber that comes with a plant-based diet. And that really, really, really does help. I think a lot of times with these fad diets, you know, it's like, you can still eat this, you can still eat that, you can still eat all of your favorite foods. But then when you sit down to eat it, your favorite foods, I mean, like the portion, it's like you, you hear like the typical serving size is the size of your palm, but then they'll only give you like maybe half of that or a third of that. And it's like, well, where's the rest of it, right? And so then you're like, well, now I got to wait another four hours before I can freaking eat anything, right? Or maybe I get like this snack in two hours that again is like popcorn that, you know, you get one handful of it. And really like how full are you going to get from one handful of popcorn when you're off the charts hungry? That's just not going to work, right? So when you eat that whole food plant-based diet, you really go to that healthy end of the spectrum. All of that calorie counting, all of that point counting, all of that goes out the window and you can really truly eat until you're full without worrying about overdoing it on fat and calories. Why? Because that fiber is going to fill you up. And where do you find fiber? It is found exclusively in plant foods, right? These healthy plant foods that you can eat in abundance until the proverbial cows come home um, and, and you're just as happy as you could possibly be. You know, when you're hungry, bad things happen, right? Like that's when things really kind of um, get ratcheted up. That's when the temptations of the vending machines and the convenience stores and the junk food really come into play. But if you've eaten a really satiating meal and you're walking away from that table, you're like, dag on, I feel like Thanksgiving, this is fantastic. And you really haven't really like shot the moon when it comes to fat and calories, you're in a good place. And that also sets you up for long-term weight loss success. That's my opinion. And that's also one of the reasons why, especially with this diet, even though Karen, I lost a lot of weight before going vegan, what the plant-based diet does for me is it enables me to be confident that that weight is never coming back. It's not a short-term thing. I love eating this way. And I love the fact that literally everything I'm putting in my body, not only fuels me, but it fills me. And that to me is the greatest combination that I could possibly think of. Yeah, Chuck, you hit the nail on the head, right? Like you, you learned how to eat a diet that's like the natural diet for a human being, right? So in choosing all of these whole plant foods, it's not just about the calories, right? It's about the quality of them, right? So with those diets that you talked about where people might be like replacing meals with bars or shakes, yeah, sure, they are providing calories, but they are not providing the nourishment, the nutrients, the fiber, right, that is provided in the whole foods that are what humans have eaten, right? Like a whole plant food diet is a natural human diet. And so we are just returning to learning how to eat the way that nature intended for us. Um, and, and those other, those other foods are just, they're just calories. They're not nourishing our bodies and really providing what we need. Um, and when we're choosing, you know, those, those whole pl plant foods over time, often people find like, Oh, Hey, you know what? Like I don't have the cravings for the processed foods. 
you know, maybe sometimes sure, because, you know, that they happen from time to time, but overall people realize that like eating this way really does help satiate us and reduce the number of those cravings because we're fueling our bodies with the foods that we're, we're meant to eat. Are you going to stick around for another 10 minutes? We're, we're going a little bit long today, but we're having like a really good conversation. If you still have the time, I'd love to sneak in a few more questions. I am all good. I'm loving it. Okay. So uh, first of all, a uh, shout out to Peter who says that uh, he went out and bought 50 pounds of grains and 25 pounds of beans for just $100. Have you seen grocery prices lately? Well, I'm telling you right now, Peter, uh, with, with those grains and those beans, uh, man, you're going to be eating for months and months and months for a hundred bucks. That's great. We just did this show, uh, revisited a show that I taped with a former colleague of ours, Lee Crosby, uh, not too terribly long ago, where she and I went grocery shopping and filled up a cart um, with enough groceries to feed two people for an entire week for $40. And that was at a boutique grocery store in the heart of Washington, DC, right? So to anyone who says that eating plant-based or eating a vegan diet is too expensive, think again, think like Peter did. Um, we were talking about eating until you're full. Abe has a great question though, Karen, I would love to get your thoughts on this about making sure that they're still getting enough energy while eating this low calorie diet. Abe's question, should I stuff myself with low calorie plant-based foods to ensure that I'm getting enough energy? So I guess that's eating past the point of full or what's the balance there? Yeah. I mean, it certainly depends on what your goals are too. And like, what are you trying to achieve if, um, you know, weight loss is what, you know, part of what you're aiming for, um, then certainly favoring, you know, maybe some more of those, the, the lowest calorie density foods, like your non-starchy vegetables and fruits. And I'd say like eating them first as part of your meal if possible, right? Cause they're going to help fill up your stomach for the least amount of calories. Uh, but, but those more starchy whole foods like potatoes, like your whole intact grains, like your legumes are really important and packed full of nutrients and are, um, you know, going to give you more, more fiber and, um, going to help fill you up. So it depends, right? Like if you're someone who's coming at this and you're, you know, a, an endurance athlete, let's say, then you might be someone who needs to pack in more of those, um, those starchy foods. And so finding like that right ratio of foods for you might, might look a little bit different depending on what you're, you're trying to achieve. Um, but I think for any individual, like getting to that point of feeling like hmm, I've had enough, I'm not so stuffed that, you know, my, I have to unbutton the top button of my pants or I feel sick, but like eating to the point where you feel satisfied, uh, is, is totally, um, a good set point or like a, a place to know that you've had enough. 100%, 100%. And, and that goes back to what it was we were talking about at the top of the show with mindless eating. Well, then we're talking about mindful eating in this case, right? And, and again, the same philosophy applies. You reach that point where you're, you, you're feeling full, tell yourself so you don't eat past full. It's cool. Don't worry about it. That food will still be there when you get hungry again. There's always room in the fridge for leftovers. Um, here's a great question. Uh, my, my plea for my plea for 
plants. Easy for me to say. My plea for plants on Instagram sent this to me. And she's like, you always have such wonderful guests on with so much great information, but you never ask them what they ate for dinner the night before. So uh, their question to you is this, Karen, what did you have for dinner last night? Yeah, I just stop and think about that because um, my plans change. I was actually planning on making some fun. Um, we found a great, um, like a vegan pizza crust at our local grocery store. That's like a thin crust. And um, my kids love it. Like it, it cooks really fast and we just load it up with a plain tomato sauce and then like all the veggies, mushrooms, peppers, onions. So that was my plan for last night. And then we changed it. Um, and we ended up just having leftovers, which was um, leftover brown rice noodles. And um, I had made steamed kale with chopped up garlic and some red Thai curry paste that I just, I sauteed in water and added the kale and steamed it down and I chopped it real fine. And then we built bowls with the brown rice noodles, the kale, and we kind of poured some of the, the liquid out to get that like wonderful flavor of the red uh, Thai curry paste. And then I had made um, tofu in my air fryer. So just cut it up like into cubes, popped it in the air fryer and made this amazing um, oil-free peanut sauce. And we just like built these great bowls and we had left, oh, and corn, corn. So built bowls with all of those ingredients and like absolutely delicious, all those flavors coming together and it was really, really easy. Uh, so do you have anything left over and can I come for dinner tonight? I'm just going to go ahead and invite myself. That sounds incredible. That sounds incredible. I love the fact also that you did that with the leftover noodles that you had in the fridge. Like some of the greatest meals begin with leftovers, right? Just kind of recreating recipes from the night before with things that you still have left over. So incredible. I love that idea. Um, great answer, by the way. Oh, but wait, there's I more. forgot the kimchi. I forgot, right? Like we're really into in my hat. Like we just love after reading Fiber Fueled, right? Like one of my favorite books um, is, you know, asking ourselves like, oh, how can we add one more plant, right? Like how can we take this meal from like four or five plants to 10? Like what's one more thing we can add? So that's been like a really fun challenge in my family um, with all of our meals and, and including some of those fermented foods. So kimchi is something that, um, my, my youngest daughter is on me, like, let's start making it ourselves instead of buying it. So hopefully, you know, we'll learn how to do that together this summer. Oh, I would be fascinated to know uh, what kind of kimchi recipe you come up with. Uh, I, I typically buy mine in the store. I always look for a brand that does not have added sugar to it um, for whatever reason. I, I'm not a big fan of that. I think that it takes away from some of the, the flavor in there. Um, but there are a couple of brands that I'm really over the moon about. Um, so if you message me privately on Twitter or Instagram, I'll be more than happy to clue you in on what it is that I'm eating. Um, and two more quick ones. Uh, Mary looking for the short way uh, that a lot of us do sometimes when it comes to weight loss. Mary is wondering uh, whether supplements can help with weight loss. Yeah. You know, again, there's a short answer to that. And, and, and it's no, you know, on a plant-based diet, really the only supplements that are, are necessary. Well, one vitamin B12 and vitamin B12 is recommended for everybody over the age of 50, regardless of the type of diet you eat. So vitamin B12, super important. Um, for some people, I'd say, uh, you know, taking a vitamin D supplement is also a good idea, depending on, you know, where they live, how much time outdoors exposed to, to sunlight they have. Um, and otherwise, no, like, we want to be relying on on 
foods and um, you know the supplement industry is just one that's really highly unregulated and um, you know less is more in my opinion. And uh, final question that comes to us from Spee wants to know other than fiber, which nutrients are most important for weight loss? Instead of looking at nutrients, I love this question, like, let's look at the foods, right? So I, we need a variety of nutrients in our diet um, for, you know, our organs to function, for us to have energy, for everything to work. Um, and you can't really single out like any particular nutrients. We really want to focus on, on the whole package, right? And, and looking at the actual foods that are providing the nutrients versus separating a specific nutrient from a food and saying like, this is the reason, or this is the thing that helps, you know, weight loss um, or helps people um, be successful with weight loss. And so again, like coming back to, you know, I think the evidence is really clear in showing that, you know, the whole plants are always better uh, than, you know, any one of the particular nutrients that they contain. There you go. I love that. Do you get frustrated by the kind of reductionist mentality that I think a lot of us have naturally kind of gravitated to like, oh, well, it's this one thing. It's this other thing. It's it's always just this one thing when in terms of actually achieving that long term success with the diet and your health, it's a totality of things. Yeah, I, I want to say I get frustrated. I mean, I think it's just really interesting. Like, I think it's just the way that our brains operate, you know, and like trying to solve a problem or find a solution and like finding that one thing. And, and when it comes to food, it's, it's not that simple. It really is about taking a step back and looking at the whole picture. There you go. And uh, look, you were just talking about fiber fueled. Uh, Dr. Will Bolswitz, a great friend of the show. This is his new cookbook, the fiber fueled cookbook. So uh, plenty of great recipes in here guaranteed uh, to load you up, make you feel full. Why? Because they're all full of fiber and they're all healthy. So the fiber fueled cookbook, uh, pick that up if you have not um, yet done that. I think it was a New York Times bestseller for three weeks running its first three weeks of release. So now it's been out for about a month, uh, could still use your support. So go ahead and pick that up. You will not be disappointed. Just phenomenal recipes in there. And uh, Karen, I want to end today with a little bit more kudos for those who may be joining us today. And they're feeling like eh, this it all sounds good, but it could never be me. Well, check out Lisa's story. She says, uh, Chuck, I've been listening to your show for a while now, about a year, and I've taken a half-hearted attempt to eat better since I began listening. But as a food addict with an enabling partner, it has been difficult. In January, I was diagnosed with diabetes. It was my worst nightmare because my mother had died from it when she was just 68. After adopting a low-fat plant-based diet, I am proud, though, to say that I am no longer diabetic. I got my blood work back yesterday, and my fasting glucose and A1C all fall within the normal range. A great big thanks to you and the Physicians Committee and everything you all do. So, Lisa, that is fantastic. I am so over the moon excited for you. Like, that is proof positive that no matter who you are or what obstacles you are facing in life, you do in fact have the power to overcome that. And as a dietitian, Karen, when you hear stories like this, what kind of emotions wash over you? 
Oh, I mean, it's why I do what I do, Chuck. Like I absolutely wake up every day excited about the work that I do and, you know, thrilled to hear, you know, stories like that. And also, you know, um, you know, I'm trying to think of, of the other word of like, not like grateful to work with the people who are in, you know, that struggle, right? Where it is very real and it's hard. Um, and like you said, and and like Lisa shared, like we are all capable of doing amazing things. It, we all have it in us, you know, like I'm no different than anyone else, Chuck, you're no different. Like we're not superheroes and being able to adopt this way of eating and, you know, change our own health. And, you know, I just love being on the sidelines and being a guide for people to help them like really um, discover, you know, their true capabilities and, and hopefully um, help them feel empowered to make some of these changes and really gain control of their health. There it is. Coach Karen on the sidelines, putting people in the game for health. I love it so much. Uh, Karen Smith, thank you so very much for being so generous with your time today and being here. And I mean, the show today, a little bit different than what we normally do, but I do think that this is one of the more impactful episodes that we've done in a very long time. So I'm so very grateful that you're here with us today. Oh, it was my pleasure. It's always a great time. Right now in my hand, I have a list of the eight most common reasons why diets fail. I will share that with you in just a moment. But first, if you are looking for a good plant-based doctor or dietitian like Karen, who can help you with your weight loss journey, or maybe just raise your health to the next level, you can schedule your appointment with them today at the Barnard Medical Center. Telemedicine visits are available, which means you don't even need to leave the comfort of your own home. Call 202-527-7500 or visit barnardmedical.org for a full list of states where services are available and to schedule your appointment today. And you can click the link right now and get that phone number again in the episode notes. Now, getting ready for the show today, I was wondering, so, well, why do people go wrong with their diet? What are some of the things that used to happen to me? Why did I quit? And the truth is we all have our own unique experiences, but someone got a lot of people together, did a survey, and they came up with the list of the eight most common reasons why diets fail. And according to this article that was published in Medlinks, here they are. Number one, the most common reason is hungry. We talked about that here on the show today. When someone's hungry, bad things happen. The diet is destined to fail. So you have to cut that one off at the pass. Reason number two, a lot of people are concerned with muscle loss, maintaining all of that muscle mass and not shrinking into what they perceive to be a weakling over time. It was just a couple of weeks ago on the show that Dr. Jim Loomis and I were talking about this. Number three, physical inactivity. Maybe too much focus is being put on what's on your plate and not enough is being focused on lacing up your sneakers and just even going for a walk or a light jog or hopping on the bike, just doing something to move your body. Number four, unrealistic expectations. The weight didn't come on overnight, and you're not going to take it off within a day or two either. 
give yourself time. Be patient, but trust that over time, in fact, you will achieve your goals. Another reason that made the top eight, feeling deprived. You feel like you could never eat this or that again. But the great thing about eating a plant-based diet is that you don't have to go without. There were so many people who joined us live who were in the chat today who were talking about some of the unhealthy recipes that they used to love, the unhealthy indulgences, I should say, that they used to love, but now they found healthy versions of them that they make at home. So instead of ice cream, it's nice cream. Instead of a ton of butter on their popcorn, maybe they're now seasoning it with a little bit of nutritional yeast, and that's good to go. So you drop the fat and the calories way, way, way lower, and you're still getting those healthy indulgences so you can still march forward with your health goals. Next up, feeling discouraged, which kind of goes back to those unrealistic expectations. Like, it's just not happening for me, so why bother? Be patient. Again, pump the brakes, take a deep breath, give it time. Give it time. Getting sidetracked is another reason, right? You're so hyper-focused on this, but then something happens, you get sidetracked, you may slip up a little bit, and then suddenly everything goes away. All of that weight comes right back on. You don't want to do that, but that's another top reason why diets fail. You get sidetracked. So if you slip, give yourself permission to get right back on track. It can be that easy. And then there is the all or nothing mentality. And this is something also that we talked about a little bit on the show today, kind of in different terms, but the all or nothing mentality is a tricky one. There are a lot of people who are all in when it comes to diets. They're either all or they are nothing. I am that way. But there are plenty of others who fall within that everything in moderation, including moderation category. The key for everyone, though, is recognizing what type of person you are. I'm not an expert. I'm not a psychologist. I'm just speaking from experience here. And what my experience has shown is that you have to be honest with yourself about the type of person who you are when it comes to being all or nothing. If you are someone who has been derailed time and again by indulging in a cheat day or a cheat meal, well, you may be like me. And that's my one nacho theory, that some of us can't have just one nacho without the wheels coming off the diet and the weight coming right back on. It's important that you not trick yourself into thinking that this time will be different and I can have that one nacho or whatever the indulgence may be. If a cheat day or a cheat meal has been the downfall of your diets, quote unquote, again and again and again in the past, the odds of anything being different the next time you convince yourself that you can indulge in just one, well, the hopes of having success then are about as slim as you may hope to be. So you got to be careful there. But on the other side, you may also be the type of person who can handle that one nacho and previous diets have failed for a multitude of other reasons, in which case it's incumbent upon you to figure out ways that you can remove those obstacles that have been derailing your success in the past. But whatever the obstacle it is, the greatest news of all is that there can be a way around it. There is absolutely a way for you to succeed. 
and we can give you all of the tools, Karen and all of our colleagues here at the Physicians Committee, the doctors, our dietitians, our experts, we can give you all of the tools that you need to succeed with this plant-based diet. I mean, we have everything that you could possibly want, including the 21-day Kickstart app, which if you haven't downloaded that to your phone right now, I highly recommend that you do. Best three weeks to get you going on a plant-based diet. We also have classes around the country with our Food for Life program and the Barnard Medical Center that I was just talking about. But sometimes it's really just about putting your head down and pushing through. Recognizing that not every day will be easy, but as Karen was talking about, nothing is impossible. And achieving long-term success with your health whether that be weight loss or reversing diabetes or heart disease or lowering your cholesterol or blood pressure, whatever that is, you absolutely can do it. That is a fact that you can take to the bank time and again. It is undeniably concrete, set in stone that you have what it takes to be successful. Just tap into your potential and make it happen. And if you're feeling pumped up today, you feel like you've raised your health IQ by a point or two, please subscribe to the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever it is that you get your shows. And when you subscribe, please also leave that five-star rating because it really does help to get this inspirational, in this case, information to people who are struggling with their health and think that they could never, never achieve their health goals. But you and I, we both know that they can. So let's help them out with that five-star rating. And if you would be so kind as to leave a nice review, we would appreciate that as well. And for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to Karen Smith for joining us here on the exam room. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based. <laughs>